Okay, welcome to the People with Backpacks podcast. This is a project of the Globetrot Surat travel blog, and that's me, Joel Globetrot Surat. On each episode, we're going to travel to places all around the world, and we're going to hear from storytellers who have stories that are filled with inspiration and important meaning. So grab your backpack, stay tuned, you're listening to the People with Backpacks podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the People with Backpacks podcast. Thank you again for joining me on another adventure of backpacking and travel and really uh, what it means to experience the world in this unique travel style. As I'm working on more of these interviews that I'm conducting um, with all these amazing people I've met from around the world, uh, I want to do a little special episode today. This is going to be a Zoom webinar that I did for the Nomadic Mat Network. And what that is, is it's a, uh, a network connected to the Nomadic Mat travel blog where they feature webinars and conversations from travelers who are out to help grow the travel style, just like I am. And uh, I was honored to do this conversation back in June. We had a great turnout, 50, 60 people. It was really, really great. And the conversation was about solo travel and how you can do that and, and never actually feel alone. So I think it's an important topic. It's a lot of good information in the conversation, and I wanted to share that with you guys. So it was done over Zoom. The audio is not great. I apologize for that. But uh, I think you're going to enjoy it. So let's just jump right into it. We're going to meet Leah at the beginning, who works for the Nomadic Mat Network. She's going to kind of intro what they do, give you guys a little bit of background, and then get right into my presentation. And I hope you enjoy. We'll catch you at the end. Hi, everyone. I'm Leah. I am a virtual TNN event host and the leader of the LA chapter. And I'm here today with Joel, who's talking about how to travel solo, but never really alone. So this is a great topic. Um, we always get some great questions out of this one, but while we're waiting for everyone to file into the Zoom room, go ahead and find the chat and um, let us know where you're calling in from, how many TNN events you've been to, and if you've ever taken a solo trip and where to, or if you know coronavirus kind of derailed that plan and you rescheduled. So we'd love to know that. They um, know it takes a few seconds for everyone to get connected to audio and get their computer on, get settled. So I will go ahead and share my screen for a few slides, let you know some housekeeping items, and then I'll pass it off to Joel. So welcome. Oh, India. Hello, Mexico. Woo. I know. We got a worldwide, we got a world tour going on here. <laughs> All right. So you are at a nomadic network presentation. We are a global network of travel enthusiasts inspired by Nomadic Matt, who started us back in 2019. And we encourage others to travel better, longer, and cheaper. So we started in 2019, launched in 22 cities um, across the globe with live community events where we could hug and have drinks and be amongst one another. Um, and it was fantastic, but we have pivoted to virtual events since coronavirus hit us, just like the rest of the world last year. But with that is kind of a blessing in disguise because we get to 
present you with more topics, more speakers from all corners of the earth. You don't have to fight for parking. You don't have to pay a cover this time. Like you, you know, can join from a hammock on a beach or the comfort of your couch. So right now we're hosting three different virtual events, speakers who come on and donate their generous time and knowledge like Joel and enlighten us about a certain topic. We also have book clubs once a month. And I'll be detailing those the next two books for the next two months. And then we have regional happy hours that happen in every corner of the earth. And you definitely do not need to live in a region in order to um, attend that happy hour. You can be from anywhere. It's a great part. A few things to keep in mind. Thank you if you have your camera on, if you have it off because you're at work. Totally get it. No problem. You'll be muted for the duration of the presentation so we can let Joel have the spotlight and please feel free to use the chat like I instructed you at the beginning. Use it to connect, share your own stories, tools, resources, apps, whatever you want, relevant experiences. If you have a question, Joel and I will get to it at the end. Just go ahead and start your sentence with question. And so we're here to learn and have fun. And we thank Joel from the bottom of our TNN hearts for being here because he's so graciously um, explaining how to travel solo to all of us. So for any replays that um, you may have missed, you can check out our new membership network. It's called Nomadic Map Plus. It has taken the place of Patreon. So head to members.nomadicmap.com. And with that being said, um, our little intro about Joel is that he started at Globetrot Surat. He is the founder of this blog that's helping the community travel together, learn tips on how to travel alone, um, solo, but not really alone. And he is also the host of his own podcast as well. He journeyed through Latin America and also is journeying through the U.S. Uh, working on farms, I believe, organic farms. So Joel, I will hand the floor off to you. All right. Hello, everybody. This is exciting. Great to see all your faces with the camera on. Um, this is my first time presenting. And uh, so I think Leah and the Nomadic Matt Network to give me this opportunity to connect with you guys and share a little bit about uh, solo travel, which is like an amazing way, a unique way to, to go on a road trip or go across the world in general. Um, like Leah said, uh, I have a blog called Globetrot Surat where I kind of bring people together. It's like a resource of other backpacker knowledge from other people I've met. And um, so that, you know, you have a better, safer trip and you kind of get more prepared for your trip. So with that, let me share my screen and we can get right into today's awesome conversation, which is how to travel solo, but never really be alone, um, which basically means, you know, you might have some fear about heading out on the road by yourself, but I'm here to ensure you that it's not the case. You'll be alone and there's a lot of benefits to that and we'll get into it, but there's plenty of people out there that you're gonna meet, so little outline of today's presentation. We're going to talk about who I am. We're going to talk a little bit about the definition of budget backpacking. Um, then we're going to get into things that you should know before you head out on your first trip. If people have gone on trips before, this will just be information you probably are familiar with. Uh, and then we're going to get to that, into that meat and potatoes about meeting other travelers while on, the, on your trip and some lessons about solo travel that I think you'll find beneficial and lastly, I want to just talk about a project I'm working on called People with Backpacks, which is a collection of travel stories from people I've met, a lot of them solo travelers, and you might find additional inspiration for your trip on that. So who am I? 
Um, like we mentioned, my blog is called Globetrot Surat. That's my last name, Surat. And I, I, I got started in the travel bug pretty late. Um, in 2016, I took my first solo trip to Guatemala. I was 32 years old. So let's get that on the table too. Like there's no too old to solo backpack. I've met people in their 70s and their 80s in hostels uh, while traveling. So that it's something that it's a unique travel style for everybody, which is what makes it so great. Um, and since that trip in Guatemala, I caught the travel bug and I've solo backpacked through five countries in just the last five years. The blog was a uh, baby of the lockdown. Um, during March of the lockdown, I was stuck in my apartment like most of us. So I decided to just start to brain dump all my information from my trips. And then that evolved where I was getting unique stories from friends and people that I met uh, backpacking. So I went solo and I made relationships and friendships with all kinds of people from all over the world. And then when it was time to work on this project, I got in touch with all of them. And it was like we just walked away from each other yesterday and started to, to talk about tips that we know and, and, and information to share with other backpackers. And that evolved into the People with Backpacks project, but also a lot about the blog. So what is budget backpacking? The basic definition, backpacking in this term means traveling on a budget, usually for a longer distance, seeing many different countries and for a longer time than a normal vacation or holiday. And this kind of entails a few main aspects, the budget part. So what we're gonna talk about today is how to meet people while budget backpacking. And that has a lot to do with the accommodations and transportation you'll be using. Um, you know, you'll be in hostels and in dorm rooms and you'll be on long bus rides and stinky train rides, depending on the country you're in. So that's part of the experience. And I think it's one of my favorite parts of the experience is the how on a budget forces you to uh, kind of uh, use the local way, in lack of a better word. Uh, seeing more and staying put when you're on a budget and you're doing budget backpacking and your trip is for a longer term than a normal two week vacation, you have opportunities to stay in one place for longer and uh, see more of that particular area and get more involved in the culture. And I think that's a huge aspect of the budget backpacking experience. And then connecting with other travelers. Um, if you're gonna be using those budget accommodations and those budget transportation, very likely you're gonna meet other people who are out there doing a solo backpacking trip as well. Um, you know, obviously using the same way to uh, keep the cost down. So a few things to know before you go. And as that uh, picture says, stop and take it all in. I mean, that's number one, but we'll go through here. Don't fear the unknown. So you book the plane ticket. You're going to a destination that you really don't know much about. That's amazing. Congratulations. Took the biggest, hardest step, I think, in solo backpacking. Um, so don't fear what's next. I know for me on my first trip, I booked the plane ticket to Guatemala, and then I just started to freak out like a week before I was going to get on the plane. Um, and in order to make the trip kind of unique for me, all I did was book my first night hostel and that was it. I wanted it to be spontaneous. I wanted to get direction from other travelers and, that, and use that as a way to meet people. And, and we'll get into that. Um, but a week before the trip, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is crazy. I'm going to solo backpack in Guatemala. Like, what am I thinking? And I could tell you this with a lot of confidence. And I saw some people in the chat that have gone on trips before and they know this, as soon as that plane takes off, all that goes out the window. You're excited, you're really, really happy you're doing this. And then you just got to trust 
that you're doing something that's going to work out the way it's supposed to work out. Um, be motivated by the experience. Let that fear kind of drive you to, to do the trip and not cancel the trip. Use fear. Fear is your friend. You know, Mike Tyson says that all the time. The fear is your friend, um, not your enemy. Like use the fear to uh, motivate and drive you to have this magical experience um, and anticipate the journey. Not what's going to go wrong. Anticipate the experience, not potential anything going wrong. Like that's out of your control. Slow down, take it all in. Like we talked about in the definition of budget backpacking, I suggest you spend a lot of extra time in one place. Um, really get to know the culture and the people who live there. Um, you can make friends with local people but, uh, in your hostel who work in your hostel. We'll talk about that more too later, about staff in the hostel as people to connect with. Um, and uh, your backpacking, a big part of the reason to travel in this style is to create a unique experience for yourself. And you're not gonna get that by bouncing around from town to town one day in this place, one day in the next place. Really try to focus on spending a lot of time in one place. And if you don't get to see everything, that's okay. You can come back on another trip, um, but you'll, you'll, you'll be happy you did. Go with the flow, obvious one. You know, keep an open mind, be spontaneous, uh, be willing to pivot your plans. Uh, in order to connect with more travelers and have uh, a chance to, to make some friends and uh, head to places off the beaten path. That will happen and we'll get, and again, I keep saying this, but we'll get into that. Um, connect with other solo travelers. Uh, you're not alone, as the title says, and I have this stat here, uh, some data collected by solotravelworld.com, which is a great resource for statistics around solo backpacking. They say that in between 2018 and 2019, the number of people who traveled alone increased by 42%. So, I mean, that's, I, that's a, more than every, almost everybody that you'll meet in your hostel, I think, nowadays is going to be a solo backpacker who is inspired to, to have this experience just as you are. So, you're not alone and you're going to find that out real quickly once you get out there. So, I identified four main ways to meet other travelers. These, these are ways that like I use or have been experienced as a, a way to meet other people. Um, and they are number one way I think is utilizing the hostel, common spaces in the hostel, the community kitchen and dorm rooms. I'm going to go through each one of these on its, on its own in separate slides. Um, dorm rooms. Uh, I wanted to, to point out what that means is um, if you are in the space where you want to book a dorm room and post COVID-19, hopefully those dorm rooms will be coming back. Um, you have opportunities, depending on the location, to book a 12-bed dorm, an 8-bed dorm, 6-bed dorm, whatever. I suggest that every once in a while you pay a little extra and you get that 4-bed or 6-bed dorm instead of the huge 20, 12 to 20-bed dorm because it, you're going to become really close friends with the other three people or the other five people in your dorm. And those people end up being somebody you might spend day trips with or going out at night with and so that you're safe and you have a group and things like that. It's a really, really easy way to connect with other travelers. Uh, day tours and treks, free walking tours, big one, big favorite one of mine. Again, that's depending on where you're going, what country you're heading to. And taking classes and volunteering. You could take cooking classes, language courses, yoga, meditation. So, um, these are the four major ways, I think, the easiest ways to, to connect with other travelers. So the hostel, common space, and kitchen. Um, like we mentioned, budget backpacking, uh, you're gonna probably be in a hostel. 
And in a lot of the hostels, they have common spaces where people tend to hang out because most of the people are in those larger dorm rooms and they don't want to spend the whole day in the dorm. So they hang out in the common area. The common area is where information is passed. And that's where groups are formed to go on day trips or groups are formed to head to uh, more destinations. And uh, it's a great way to introduce yourself to other travelers, start hanging out. Some hostels will even organize like group activities there, like happy hours or uh, trivia nights, things like that. Like sign up for those. Take advantage of all the free opportunities to meet people that the hostel provides you already. Um, and that, that usually goes down in the common area space. I have a really funny story about uh, how this worked for me. It was I was uh, in Mexico and I was booking a tour to like a really popular destination outside of the city. And I booked it on like through the hostel and it turned out to be kind of expensive. And I was in the common area and I was sitting down with a couple other travelers explaining to them what, it, what they signed up for this, this crazy uh, tour. And this French backpacker, she came over to the table and she said, I don't, mean to to eavesdrop on you or anything but uh, I heard that you're going to this destination tomorrow and I said yeah she goes look I'm gonna go too but I'm gonna go on my own I'm gonna figure out how to use public transportation and just get there on my own you're more than welcome to join me and you know we got to talking a little bit and I canceled the tour and I went with her and uh you know extremely memorable memorable experience and her and I are, are friends to this day and um I think if I was not in the common area having conversations about whatever it might be with all these different people. And no, these people from are from all over the world, which is fascinating enough to talk to them. Like the, the, the common question to break into a conversation is where are you from? How long are you traveling for? Use that and you're, you're talking to everybody. Um, so yeah. And then the kitchen space, some hostels will have community kitchen space for you. Uh, budget situation. You might want to go into town. If you're staying in one place for like a month, you might want to go into town, get some groceries and cook your food in the hostel to save some money. And uh, a lot of times people will do group dinners, family dinners that you can get involved with, contribute to, uh, meet people. I used to hang out in the kitchen and people would kind of give me their leftovers. And that was a cool way to like meet them and stuff like that. And uh, like I mentioned, these two spaces are places also where um, people are making plans to go to next destinations. And as a solo traveler, you have the ability to pivot and be spontaneous. So if somebody offers you a chance to go somewhere that you're interested in, you can go for it. There's nobody but you that can make that decision. And, and that's, again, like a great way to make some friends. Day tours and treks. This was uh, one of my favorites. Um, when I first started backpacking, I would go on a overnight trek to start the trip uh, with the goal of obviously having a very extremely amazing experience but to meet some other people. Um, this picture, the main picture is me on a trek I did in Guatemala. It was on the second day of my trip there. And um, I met these people the day before for a couple hours. And I kind of hinted that I was doing a birthday backpacking trip. And that when we got to the top of this volcano, it was going to be my birthday. And when we got to the top, nobody really seemed to care. And they kind of ignored me. But then they all pulled beers out of their backpacks that they smuggled on the trail and uh, had one for me and we did like a birthday's cheers. And I knew these people for one hour before the trek, but the trek itself is a great opportunity to meet people because it's a challenge and you're in the challenge together and you're in this experience together and it's an automatic bond. So I highly recommend if you're going to places that have 
treks that you can sign up for that are overnight, multiple days, go for it. Fantastic way to meet people. Also like, come on, like it's a great, great experience. And depending on the country you're in, it's not going to break the bank. It's going to be pretty budget friendly. Um, um, then day tours. Um, a lot of the hostels have tour agencies inside and you can book day tours to different uh, destinations and around the city that you're staying in and the country you're staying in. You can even do like adventure stuff like rock climbing, river rafting, bike riding. Um, they usually offer all kinds of things like that. Again, depending on where you're visiting. Um, and those are also great ways to meet the people in your hostel because other people in your hostel will sign up for it and you'll go on that tour together. Um, it's also a great way to meet people from other hostels depending on the city. So if you're in Mexico city, it's a huge place. There's, a, there's hundreds of hostels. And uh, if you book a day tour, oftentimes the same company will pick up people from the other hostels onto one big bus. And then now you're making connections with people who are at the hostel down the street from you. And I actually had an experience where I met people from the hostel down the street from me on a tour and we ended up linking up the next day and going to the Lucha Libre wrestling match together, you know, you know WhatsApp each other. So um, I think just finding ways to, to be in a group setting um, with other backpackers is, is, a, is very key to, to making connections and having people to travel with going forward so you're not alone. Again, the, 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 the goal for me was to always to find some people who were headed to the next place that I was interested in and I'll, I'll go with them. But eventually I can disconnect and do my own thing as the freedom of the solo traveler. Free walking tours, um, depending on what country you're in. I know in South America, Central America, Mexico, they have these and they're awesome. They are awesome. They're like nonprofit organizations that put this on you sign up with your hostel, usually to start right in front of your hostel, depending on where you are, and you just go around the city with this amazing bilingual tour guide who knows everything about the history, what bars to go to, restaurants, everything. And you spend two or three hours with them. And sometimes, like in Medellin, Colombia, they give you like a quick um, information on how to use the public transport, the, the metro. And they take you on the metro and give you and just kind of show you the maps and everything. And when the walking tour is over you're in the middle of the hottest spot of the city that you're in with strangers that you just met on the tour and they tend to like go hang out like go to one of those recommended restaurants by the tour guide or go to the bar that night and have a drink at one of the places he said to go to for salsa dancing in Colombia. Um, it's a fantastic way to learn your surroundings of the city that you're visiting the history of it but then again like the goal here is to meet more people and uh, it's it's one of my favorite resources. I have a blog post about it. We can talk about that later about why you should take free walking tours. Lastly, take a class or workshop. Um, you can sign up for Spanish language courses, yoga courses. They have cooking classes in a lot of places. Um, I know I was on a beach destination that was kind of a yogi beach and uh, everybody went to yoga class and meditation classes. And if you're in a certain place that's a little bit more laid back and not city, you can try to find that cork board with flyers on it, or you can, you know, take, 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 check those out. Those can tend out, tend to be really cool. People offering like $5 workshops and classes and things like that. Like take advantage of that. That's awesome. Like you're going to get to learn something. You're probably going to meet locals and you're going to you know, walk away with a little cultural experience. So um, most hostels do organize this too. 
uh, the cooking classes and language classes and, and any kind of immersion classes. Um, the hostels could probably organize that for you too. I didn't even know about this. I kind of went like two countries not even knowing this was something until uh, one of the hostels I was in, everybody talked about the cooking class they were going to and the language immersion classes that they were taking every day for like an hour and, and how like they were going to go to happy hour with their friends from cooking class. So it's like, uh, you know, and the lady who ran the cooking class invited them all over to dinner in her home in the city. So it's, you know, a great way to to meet people, the locals, the local people. Um, I think I skipped over that, but you, meeting the locals is also a great uh, thing to do. And that can happen by talking to the, to the, the staff in your hostel. Um, most of the time they're bilingual, so you can connect with them, get to know them, ask them questions, spend time with them, buy them a drink when they get off work. And uh, next thing you know, you're um, going out with them, uh, meeting their friends and meeting their family, and getting really immersed in the culture of the city or the town or the country that you're in. So big tip. So a few lessons um, in addition to all that information about how to travel, uh, how to, to, to make connections and make some friendships. A few lessons that I've taken away from using all of that, because again, you're, you're, never, you're never truly alone. Um, no matter if you're in the hostel or on a tour or on a public transportation or taking that long eight hour bus ride to the next, the next city or next country, like you're gonna be surrounded by other like-minded individuals who have the goal in mind of meeting more people and seeing more things. And, um, so, you know, go with that, go with the flow, be spontaneous, pivot and, and seek that out, seek out those connections um, and, you know, put yourself in the right position to, to make those connections if you feel like it. Obviously, if you wanna be alone and you wanna do this thing by yourself and spend time by yourself, like that's awesome too. Like, I know a lot of people who do that, but you know, this is a, a good way to also just build a network of people from around the world. That's the most fascinating thing for me. That's what makes me smile the most when I'm at home and I'm thinking about all the trips that I've gone on is like, wow, I, this person's from Germany, the UK, India, South Africa. Like, wow, like that's a huge network. It's so fascinating to me. Um, travel bug, that's real and you will catch it. And uh, this will be maybe your first or your second or your third solo trip, but it's definitely not gonna be your last. Um, you're gonna be uh, doing it as much as possible and you're gonna be thinking about it all the time. And, um, you know, a good thing about this is uh, um, you might turn your next two, two week um, vacation into like a, a one year trip. And, you know, it just grows from there. I haven't done that yet, but, you know, once you build that confidence and in, in, in this travel style, like you, you'll be surprised how quickly you're gonna wanna continue to do it over and over again. And uh, yeah, confidence. Um, you find yourself living out of your backpack, more comfortable living out of your backpack and uh, being around strangers. Uh, you start to embrace the feeling of, of that uh, on day one feel that you had, like, oh, like I had that fear, I wasn't sure I was gonna go. And then you got on that plane and you had that release, right? You start to embrace that, that, that emotion and you start to like give yourself credit um, that you accomplished something, which is going to a country you knew nothing about by yourself, making friends and walking away with an extremely unique experience that not a lot of people get a chance to have. Um, and then build on that. Take that, that confidence and that inspiration to go on more trips or put it into your life, uh, share it with your friends, um, you know, just uh, use it. So you've made the friendships, you got on the trip, you made the friendships, uh, you, you have the memories and the unique experience. Um, 
So what, what, what benefit of these long-term connections do you have? So travel partners, um, as I mentioned in, the, in this presentation, um, you can pivot your plans as a solo traveler. So when you're meeting people and they're planning on going somewhere that, that's off the beaten path or you didn't expect that you were gonna go to, but it gives you an opportunity to travel with some new friends in a group, which is safe setting, um, go for it, go with them. And, and there's a thing, it's, it's a dumb name, but they call it the Gringo Trail. And in South America and Central America, you kind of follow the same path where you're going through these different cities in a kind of a circular motion. Everybody's kind of hitting the same spots. And you'll find once you separate from somebody you met in one city, you'll connect together again in another city by random. And then, then you have your friend there with you and you can go and do something with them like a day tour or something. So. It's a partner that you have, somebody you can look forward to meeting up with. Um, a place to stay. So like I mentioned, if they're from all over the world and your next trip is to Germany and you had a really good connection with somebody from Munich, when you're in Munich, hit them up, WhatsApp them, say, hey, I remember me from Guatemala, you know, like uh, I'm in your country, can I stay with you? Show me around. I can tell you 100% of the time, Anybody who's a backpacker who, who met you on a solo backpacking trip is going to offer that up for you. Uh, and then and that's going to give you a, a window, a, a, a quick doorway into a unique experience in that country. Like you just got access from a local right there. Um, you know, and, and be willing to, to pay that back. Be open to if you get contacted by somebody that you met uh, while traveling and you had a really deep connection with and they call you and they're in your country be open to letting them come stay with you and show them around. It's, it's a big part of this network of I'm trying to create with my blog is this backpacker resource. We're connected. We're, we're like-minded individuals. Um, share tips and tricks. Um, knowledge is power, right? So share your experience with other backpackers um, and they'll share more with you. Um, uh, sharing the, sharing this information keeps this backpacking, keeps backpacking this travel experience alive, keeps the spirit of this travel alive. Um, you know, post COVID-19, there's a lot of conversation going around that backpacking is, it might be dead. I don't think so. And if, if people who have had the experience before or are looking to have the experience, talk about it with more people and share like this conversation, all of you amazing people are here today to listen to me. Thank you. You know, uh, that's the process that that these connections, uh, the power of these connections. Collaborations. Um, I've met YouTube vloggers and bloggers, uh, athletes, professional athletes, musicians, all types of amazing, talented people uh, in my hostels and on my backpacking trips and uh, photographers, whatever it may be. You never know when you might want to utilize that connection for something. Um, and uh, so keep an open mind about that, you know, uh, it's, I'm not trying to say like use people, but I'm saying maybe one day you need to, you have a job coming up uh, for something that you're doing and the, the job calls for a photographer, call that friend that you met and see where they're at. Give them the job, give them the opportunity, like pay it forward, but also you already know they're extremely creative and that will, you know, in turn, maybe help out your business or, you know, they'll bring something to you, but keep an open mind about the connections that you're making as far as the collaboration inside of it. And most importantly, you got a friend for life. The most important thing about the people you're going to meet is that they're your friend and they're probably going to be your friend for life. And then in my experience, people I've met while traveling, I knew them for maybe two or three days. And my relationship with them was stronger than some people I've known for two or three years. Uh, when I started my People with Backpacks, 
project, I would contact some backpackers that I met for like two days to get their travel story. They responded in hours, just excited to do it. Um, and like I said before, like it's the faces that I remember the most. Sure, I went to these cool places and took pictures and all that. But like when I really think back on my solo trips, it's the faces of the people that I met that makes me smile and makes me um, want to, to go do it again and, and create more of those brotherhoods and, and uh, relationships. Like, so I hope that what I've shared with you today about how to make those relationships and where to find them and, and how to uh, cultivate them has been helpful for you, for you. And that, um, you know, when you go on, on your trip, you can make some friends, friends for life. So to wrap it up, uh, I want to just share with you guys about this project, People with Backpacks. It's backpacker stories that I've collected from around the world. Um, and basically, I find them to be all extremely motivational stories. Um, they're about um, connect. They're about facing challenges and long lasting friendships and confidence and all kinds of different things that backpacking brings up. Um, I've t and and all, every single one of these storytellers is somebody that I've met while solo backpacking through the process that I've just shared today. So I just invite you to, you know, check it out. It's um, peoplewithbackpacks.com. Check out the stories, read them, find inspiration, and, and you'll get a little bit more info about this never alone concept that we've been talking about today. Because um, it's, it's the heart of almost all the stories is the people the friendships and how that carried them through their experiences. So thank you. It's been an honor to share this information with you guys um, and share what my experience is. And I really hope you do find some inspiration in it. And, you know, after what we all went through with the pandemic, the travel world is starting to open up and I really hope you guys get to have a trip pretty soon and that it's safe and memorable Check out my blog, globetrotsrot.com. I got all kinds of different articles of information from responsible travel to my experience woofing on farms during the pandemic to uh, inspirational solo female backpacking stories that I've collected. And uh, yeah, so after this presentation, we can send you guys the slides and um, you also can, we'll give you a link to go sign up for my newsletter. And if you do, I'm gonna send you a, a, my packing list for South America. So anybody who signs up for the newsletter. So I hope you do. And um, yeah, with that, I guess we'll take questions, right? Yes, Joel, thank you so much. The chat was lit with stories and anecdotes and tips just tagging along um, with yours. So thank you for sparking this conversation. And I think there's a lot of different sentiments in the chat, mostly um, aspirational and inspirational, you know, people love this topic. And so we'll dive in because now we have a lot of questions um, filing in. So I actually want to start off with <clears throat> getting the confidence to one, take the leap you did um, in going, like I know going and showing up in life and anything in life is 50% of the job, right? 50% of the hard work is literally arriving or attending or being present. But for all, for a lot of people, that's not possible, whether it's financially or mentally, or they have people that depend on them. They can't just like pick up and go. And then like the confidence to meet people on the road, whether you're an introvert, self-proclaimed introvert or extrovert, like how can people, kind of get over that that little hump as well like I'd love for you to do a 
you know, ex elaborate on that a little more. If you have any other advice you can give. So for somebody who is maybe financially not in a situation to buy a plane ticket without any, with any direction just to go for it, uh, maybe do something smaller, um, a, a, an overnight road trip around your, where you live uh, without a plan. Try to be spontaneous with that. Uh, I've been exploring spontaneous road trips over the last two months where uh, you go to sleep without any, a plan for the next day and kind of just roll with the flow in that sense. And it's just as scary, but also uh, a growing experience. Um, and then as far as stepping out of your comfort zone to, to create these connections and have these conversations, the best thing for me, to, advice for me to give is that you're, everybody's feeling like that. Most everybody's feeling that way. When you're in that common space of the hostel and you see a bunch of people chatting in groups and you're kind of nervous to go over and, and interject or join the conversation, you have to, in most cases, they created that conversation circle in the same way. There was one person who started it or one person who came over and was really nervous to interject. And um, the other travelers are going to be warming on the most part. They're going to be welcoming you in and, and, and really excited to, to hear what you have to say. And again, those two basic questions, where are you from? How long you've been traveling for? Ask anybody that and you're, you're having, you're having a, a combo and you'll see like if you're having a combo one-on-one -on -one with somebody, people will come and, they'll, and they're gonna start joining you uh, the same way that you started it. So it goes around. Absolutely, thanks for that. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's move on. So EB would like to know if you could speak a little bit about your experience with um, woofing throughout the US. Yeah, and I just saw the comment, willing workers. So <laughs> um, yeah, sometimes it depends on the farm. So here's, I've been lucky. Uh, I've been on three amazing farms in three different states, ran by really, really um, dedicated uh, owners. Um, you have to do your research on that one. If you're going to woof and you want to be spontaneous, you have to be ready for an experience that you may not be so keen on. Um, but for me, with research, doing a lot of communication, emailing back and forth with the owners, asking questions. You're the volunteer, not an employee. So ask questions and get the information that you desire before you agree to join them. Um, I think that's the main thing to remember is that even though you're getting a place to stay and uh, food, you're not their employee, you're their volunteer and they need to treat you as such. So giving you free time and teaching you things. So ask questions about what they're gonna be teaching, what are they gonna be working on while you're there? And if it's something that interests you, ask questions and, and ask them to get you involved. So in my experience, to answer your question, it's an amazing platform, an amazing way to travel. If you're on a long-term trip and you wanna stop for a little while, save some money, meet people. I mean, woofers are just as amazing as any solo backpacker I've ever met. Um, go for it, sign up, try it out. And again, you can leave, you can quit <laughs> and go to the next farm or go to a campsite and, and figure it out. It's not um, locked in stone, but it's, it's definitely worth it. Yeah, absolutely. So Jan wants to know how long you have to stay at a, at a place, at a wolf place. Uh, it depends on the farm. Um, normally during COVID, they, and now post COVID, well not post, but like as the pandemic kind of um, gets a little eased off, uh, one month, they, they prefer one month, um, but you can probably negotiate a weekend or a week depending on what their needs are. Um, but 
I was, this is a good segue into, into how long you should probably think about staying in a destination in general. I find it takes about one month to get into a groove, three weeks to get into a groove, to like really learn the area and really kind of find your, 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 where you're comfortable and uh, start having that uh, an experience. Yep, absolutely. Um, I think some places they may only need you for like a weekend as well. Yeah. So there's all sorts of different stays. But mm-hmm. I did plug for anyone that's interested. I did plug the website into um, into the chat, and I'm sure Joel has more information on his site as well. I linked all of Joel's information, FYI, for anyone that has to like jump off early. It's in the chat, so if you scroll up a little, you'll see his website, his Instagram, his packing list, and his story collection slash podcast. I'm a podcaster too, so I'm excited that you are. <laughs> um, all right, so we have a question from. Devanchi, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, but can you name some things according to you, Joel, that one needs to figure out before starting a solo backpack trip? Yeah, of course. So some countries, um, it, it, I keep saying this and it's very true. It really depends on where you're going, but some countries I would, I would research, uh, the first city that you're going to. Sometimes you need to get out of the airport that you're in and go to a different place. It's a little safer. For example, this is Guatemala city, not a very place, safe place to be, but there's a town about an hour away called Antigua and people go straight to Antigua to start their trip. So Research like safety. Safety is a big thing. If you're going to a country that might have some safety concerns about certain cities, do that research. And then, you know, read some blogs about accommodations and places to stay. And from there, I think you should be spontaneous and and get the tips from the people you're going to meet about where to go to next. Yeah. Safety. Be safe. Make sure you know what you're getting into before you get into it. That is wonderful advice. Um, I think Guatemala is one of the only airports that I've been in Guatemala City that has Wi-Fi also, if I remember correctly. <laughs> it's an awesome airport, actually. Yeah, I was like, wait, it's actually, but I did the same thing. I landed and I headed straight to Antigua, like a car, like straight to Antigua. I was there for a wedding. Yeah. So it was a little bit different. Um, so on that topic, what do you recommend about um, SIM cards, phone, and money? Like sometimes people love hearing about the logistical things. So this is good advice for anyone that's like, all right, I need to know exactly like, what do I do about money? What do I do about cash, cell phone, et cetera? Such a good question. I was just going to uh, say that is um, for money, for me, this is all what I do. And I this you know, take it as a grain of salt. But um, for me, for money, when I arrive in a foreign country, I exchange in the airport just enough to get me to the next town. So if I'm in Guatemala City, I'm going to exchange enough American dollars into Quetzales just to get me that car to Antigua and get me that um, hostel stay. And then when I'm in that town, I'll use the ATM uh, to get cash. Um, Now, you know, 2021, a lot of places take card. So just tell your bank in advance what countries you're going to so that they don't shut your card down and bring backup stuff, bring a backup bank card um, you know, things like that. Um, and then for, um, uh, SIM card, I don't use it. I just use WhatsApp and leave my phone on airplane mode most of the time and just try to find Wi-Fi. Sometimes it can be a little stressful, but you know, uh, most well, cafe- part of the fun, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cafes and things like that. They, they got you. Um, but a lot of people I've met, they get the local SIM card, they get a local number, um, which is totally fine too. You can get that in the airport when you land or when you get to your destination, you just go to a a shop and get hooked up. Absolutely. Um, Joel, do you have the Charles Schwab debit card? 
I don't, but I've heard of it. No fees, right? No fees. No fees. Um, Hot tip for anyone that wants to withdraw money in the airport. Charles Schwab, which is like a digital bank. Um, Charles Schwab debit card. I wish I had like an affiliate link or something, <laughs> but there are no, um, no ATM fees, no international foreign transaction fees. So it's probably the best to like withdraw cash from. And Joel, you sound similar to me where like I go to a lot of cash, cash heavy economy countries. Yeah. So like a lot of like Latin America where it's like a lot of things are cash, except maybe for the bigger places. So I'm like constantly having to pull, pull out cash, but Charles Schwab is great for cash withdrawals. Um, And good tip about WhatsApp. WhatsApp is probably every favorite traveler's app to use. I even use it back home here. Like I don't, (laughs) I don't text people. I WhatsApp them. (laughs) Good. So those are great things. Um, Ratish, Ratish, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, had a question on what's one thing that you didn't put in your backpack that would have been very handy on your trips? <laughs> wow. Oh, man. I think uh, most, well, most recently it was a tent. Um, <laughs> a whole tent. <laughs> yeah. I have a smaller tent and I put it in my backpack uh, on a trip to Mexico. And then I took it out thinking like I would never use it. And then when I got there, everybody was camping on the beach. Mm. And I had to, uh, you know, get the, the hostel room. But that's the first one that comes to my mind. Um, you know, locks. Bring bring padlocks. It's a huge one for the locker in the in the hostel to protect your things. Uh, I, I learned that the hard way. I didn't know anything about that. So I think forgetting to bring my lock was a big one. So padlocks. Padlocks. Yeah. Padlock in it. I mean a tent. That's. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe look up the destination you're going to first. I don't think you need a tent anywhere. But yeah, that's yeah. just what came to my mind. I was so upset about right, it. Right, because you were thinking yeah. of this one time. They're like, shoot, what did I not have? I had it. I didn't have a tent in Mexico. I get it. <laughs> yeah, padlocks. It's a good one. Yes. Sure. Good question. Very important. Thank you, Ratish, for that one. And I even recommend to expand on Joel's two sizes of padlocks because your big fat padlock might not fit in a, like a smaller locker hole. So a small one and a big one. Yep. All right. Um, so Cheryl has a question about uh, U.S. travel. What's the longest amount of time you've traveled? Um, oh, wait. Yeah. What's the longest amount of time you've traveled and how did you handle like your U.S. mail? Like tell tell everyone about your home base here and, and how you, you know, how you take care of things back home while you're on the road. Yeah. So uh, I've never gone away longer than two months. Um, a lot of countries that I visited only give you a 30 day visa as an American, um, which is a lot. Um, Mexico is six months, so it's bigger, but, um, I don't forward the mail. I usually, uh, I live in an apartment building in LA, so I usually just give my mail key to my neighbor and, um, you know, you just let, uh, your bank know where you're going and, um, cell phone company where you're going. And if you're in a country that's, um, visa is only 30 days, you can re-up the visa by jumping out the country and jumping right back in but i think it's also an opportunity to head home or to head to the next country where then you get another 30 days so as an american most countries give you a 30-day visa you do research in advance to make sure that you you have that information correct or you might have to fill out paperwork at the airport um but for the mail if yeah you can forward it like i my most recent trip i forwarded it to a, a friend um and it worked fine they collected the mail for me and it came through and then you can also call them and 
find out if there's anything in there that's important. Yeah. <laughs> read it to me. Read it to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But if you're going to go on, on a trip longer than two or three months, then you should probably uh, not expecting anything to come up at home. <laughs> you know, don't be running away from something. Uh, make sure that you're prepared. Yeah. Yes, because those issues will follow you. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, interesting in Buenos Aires. I mean, this is back in the day, 2016. I think I started my journey the same year as you. 20, the Port of Buenos Aires is an hour away from Uruguay. So after three months or in the 90, 90 yeah, like, day, people would take the ferry to Uruguay. And I'm not condoning this. I'm not saying it's legal or illegal. I'm just saying this is how people did it. Yeah. <laughs> take the Uruguay ferry, get their stamp that they left the country before three months and then come back after yeah. each and it depends on, you know, the question was the American passports, but it, for the most yes. part, we're lucky to be able to get visas in a lot of countries, but Bolivia, you have to do your research. In Bolivia, Americans have to pay $200 for a visa. So <laughs> you, you have to, uh, and a lot of people show up to the border not knowing that. So um, yeah, yeah do Absolutely. your research on visas for sure. 200. Yeah. Eric was like surprised. Yeah, and you have to show up with like crisp twenty dollar bills and things like all those exact things. change Brazil yeah. exact change. Otherwise, no visa. And I bought the Brazilian visa. Guess what? Six months later, they got rid of it for Americans. Don't make my mistakes, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, about what yeah, for? It's probably visas. Um, we take it for granted as American passports for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Someone had a note to add after Carla wanted to say, just backtracking a bit, U.S. mail will hold your mail at the post office for 30 days. Oh, nice. So a good note for anyone that didn't see it in the chat. Um, great. Thank you for answering that one. Okay. So Marvin has a wonderful question about connections and friends. How do you develop lasting friendships when people come and go at the hostels? Or even if you're like an expat or digital nomad staying in a place for a few weeks, a few months, like I've dealt with this too, but how do you deal emotionally with people coming and leaving all the time? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. You can WhatsApp them, FaceTime them, stay in touch. Um, don't let it kind of go away. Uh, but it is hard. It's, it, that's a good question. I, I should have talked about that in the presentation. Um, there is no good answer. It's tough. You just have to kind of trust in the, in the flow that everything is happening the way it's supposed to happen. And Stay in touch with them. And again, like you're going to, if you're going to eventually leave where you are, even if you're an expat, you're going to go and make me on a trip somewhere. It's um, pretty uh, high chance you're going to run into them or, you know, like I said, go visit them when you get a chance, uh, but keep the connection, stay in touch. Don't just let it go away. Use, use WhatsApp people. It might seem like you're annoying them, but I think they appreciate it as well. Absolutely. I think that people appreciate that you're thinking about them. Right. Um, um, plan another trip with them, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, if they're going to come back through where you're living, then uh, catch up with them. Make sure that they keep you in the loop. Yep. And like you said um, earlier about returning the favor, like if they're ever in your area, um, mm -hmm. go ahead and say, I can host you or I can show you around. Or like if they're coming to your country, I know the U.S. is huge, but mm -hmm. say you met someone in Germany, they're like, I'm going to be in New York, maybe if you can, you know, you have the time and money, I'll make the effort. Oh, okay. I'll fly to New York. We can hang out. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough, but I think communication as with any relationship, right. Working romantic, personal professional, you know, uh, friendships, like communication is key. Yeah. Good tips. 
All right. So Ryan would like to know if you're ever staying um, at an Airbnb or house sitting on the road, would you still be able to get involved in local hostel activities? This is a great question. So I've never used Airbnb. <laughs> and I'm oh, like, yeah, it's pretty okay. Yeah. I've stayed in hostels in the U S and uh, they're not the same experience. Um, but, uh, Yes, you can, because if you're the Airbnb, you can pop over to the hostel and sign up for that free walking tour, or you can um, go on a, on a sign up for one of their tours that is organized through the hostel, because a lot of them have tour desks where they're organizing trips for people. You can join those. You might not necessarily get to go to the common areas or the um, happy hours, but you can sign up for the things that are inclusive to the entire uh, community, um, which the hostels organize which that, and so then, you know, you can invite some cool people to come hang out at your Airbnb or, you know what, if you do make a connection with somebody on that trip, that's in that hostel, they can invite you to the hostel and you can join the happy hour. So yeah, absolutely. Yes. You can get involved <laughs> even if you're not staying there for sure. That's so good to note. Um, it, when I was in Cartagena in Colombia, I was staying in an Airbnb from friends back home, but I wanted to meet people my group to meet people. So we popped down to El Viajero, which is one of like the big hostel chains in South America. And we signed up for the volcano mud bath, but through the tourism desk. So even if you're not a guest of the hostel, say like, Hey, we're interested in doing activities through the hostel. Obviously we have to like pay. Everyone has to pay for that activity, but it's a good way to meet people use them as like your concierge, right? Like a hotel concierge, whatnot, especially if your Airbnb host is not really like present or, you know, you just want an easy way to find out how to do things. Right. So good tips there. Um, all right. So Jan wants to know, have you ever run into any trouble? <laughs> yeah. Um, question. <laughs> I've been, I've actually been extremely lucky. I haven't had any serious issues. Um, I know Nomadic Matt has, if you've read his, his blog. And, um, but I, I've been very lucky. The only trouble I've really had was missing a bus in a dangerous town and having to take uh, a non-tourist, more local situation for a long time. And, yeah, but safety-wise, no, no, never had any trouble. Um, you know, losing things or, um, you know, getting lost. But, yeah, not really, actually. I've been really lucky. But you know, yeah. it's, that you, it's not. It's not much. You can you can prepare yourself for dangerous situations or situations where you've been robbed or whatever. Um, but there's really not much you can do to stop it, right? Except for uh, keep your wits about you and stuff like that. Just, you know, keep a uh, fall. Don't do anything crazy. You know. You know? <laughs> but no, I've, I've I've been lucky. I can't answer that question. I know that you have been lucky. Are there any tips that you would give to people who are like looking to try hostels out, whether it's a dorm or private room, but like are concerned about their belongings, their privacy, et cetera? Yeah. Um, privacy, you kind of forfeit in a <laughs> dorm. Um, but I, 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 my experience, there's like an unwritten code of respect. To, some people don't follow it, but for the most part, they do where your things are protected or your privacy is given when you need it. Um, and as far as protecting your belongings, I mean, that's on you and you need to, to keep that in your mind at all times, lock your things in your locker. Um, don't leave, um, 
important things like your passport and somewhere where somebody can get to it. And, you know, there's like these tips you can use like photocopying your passport. So when you do need it, you just bring the photocopy. You don't bring the hard copy that stays in your locker almost all the time. And when you're walking on the street with your important things, you, you find a different way to hold on to it and protect it. And, uh, you know, like a good tip is if you're, if you're in a place that you don't feel comfortable while you're walking around, that it seems a little seedy and dangerous. The last thing you should do is pull out your cell phone and take pictures or use your Google maps, yeah. um, head to somewhere like a cafe first, somewhere a little more, uh, privacy. So nobody sees that you have a $400 iPhone, uh, <laughs> things like that. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's just basic common sense things about protecting yourself and making sure you don't put yourself in a situation. If you remember that, you, you should be okay. Absolutely. So what I'm hearing is um, trust your gut. <laughs> uh, you forfeit, you kind of forfeit privacy if you're in a dorm, but take care of your belongings, be smart about it. Um, yeah, and like open communication. If you're in a dorm with people and you need privacy or there's something that you don't feel comfortable about, let people know mm-hmm. for the most part, they're going to be understanding and, and then they're going to start having better communication themselves. Maybe, maybe they were just too nervous to say, to say something. So, you know, I, some people will, will go in one ear and out the other, but I think for the most part, it's going to be a respect thing right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Did you ever hang a towel or like a sarong or sorts or flag on your dorm bed for, for extra privacy? Uh, I, <laughs> yeah, I've done the towel, but you know what? A lot of the dorms that I've been in and that now they got the curtain. The curtains, the curtain. fancy. Yeah. So, yeah so, and that's also a benefit. Like I said, if you get the six bed or the four bed dorm to start out to meet some friends, those usually have the curtain. They're not as uh, mm-hmm. wild as the, the big ones, the 10, 15 bed dorms. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. People get creative. Yeah. Feel free to get creative for sure. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, I have a couple more questions. Let's see what networks, what platforms do you, do you personally use for finding hostels? That's from Jan. Good question. Uh, booking.com is my favorite and hostel world is a great one too. They both take, so this is, um, something they probably don't want me to talk about, but they both take commission. So I write about this on my blog. You can find it Uh, a little tip for you guys for joining this conversation is, you can book one night through the app, through those applications like Hostel World and Booking.com. And then when you get to your location, just ask the front desk if you can add a few more nights and they will at a cheaper price. Taking the risk, they might be fooled up, but most of the time they're not. So that's a little tip to get away from the commission price. But for the most part, Booking.com is my favorite. They tend to have the best deals in the most, um, most locations. Yeah, I'm like... Gold, platinum status on booking.com or something and booking i'm not like they do let you cancel up to like 24 hours sure, before. Sure. yeah sometimes and, even yeah. closer if you're really nice and yeah read, read, read the reviews they're yeah. helpful and then you know you'll learn this too depending on where you are you learn the, the tips the tips and tricks of finding hostels so sometimes it's even just walking around and popping into different hostels and asking them if they have availability. It's that simple sometimes. So. Absolutely. I love your tip about booking one night and then booking direct or literally going to the front desk and booking the rest of them. Like that puts all the money back in like the local hostels hands. Um, flexibility. Like it's just so many things like connecting with the front desk, the hostel owner, like giving them your money, you know, to that business. So that's incredible. I'm going to start doing that too. <laughs> cool. 
Good tip. All right. Um, Ratish wants to know if you've ever been to Southeast Asia. Not yet. Not yet. It's the next, it's it's on the, it's next, man. It's next for sure. I can't wait. Yes, absolutely. That'll be, that'll be good. (laughs) Um, Carla would love to know what are your favorite Mexican cities for solo travel? Oaxaca city, Mexico city, Mexico city is magical. It's huge. It can feel daunting, magical go. You're going to be, that's the, that's like the, 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 um, ultimate, uh, your drive alone, leave with friends situation there. So many great people. And Oaxaca city is just, wow. Unbelievable too. I, I would say Oaxaca city first, Mexico city second. Yeah. You're probably going to end up flying into Mexico city first and then. Yeah. 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 Mexico city first. And then from there you can jump anywhere you want in Mexico and head over to Oaxaca city. Um, yes. you, won't, you won't regret it. It's, it's unbelievable. Wow. And how long did you spend there? Uh, I've been Mexico this year, one month, last year, two months. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Um, your first time, were you there during the pandemic or was it pre pandemic, like beginning of 2020? Uh, sorry. So 2019, end of 2019. I was oh, okay. Months, and then I just went back in March for a month of this year. So how was it though? Like, I mean, compared to end of 2019, like yeah. as far as staying in the hostels and distancing and masks and cleanliness, et cetera, like how were they doing things different compared to when you went pre-pandemic? Yeah. So Mexico city was doing a pretty good job, mask wearing and rules. Um, they even had a uh, shutdown at 10 PM, which is pretty crazy for such a large city. And, um, yeah, I think it was, people were kind of like had a little bit more freedom than it felt like here, um, where I'm from in LA. Um, they kind of had the parks to like, pretty fooled up with people in the park. All outdoor activities was kind of allowed, but yeah, mask wearing and, and then 10 p.m. curfew. So uh, they were, I don't know if that's still the case, but they were definitely following that protocol. As you get further south into Oaxaca city um, and then down towards the beach, it kind of loosens up a little bit, the restrictions. But I think the, um, there was a, there was a little, uh, uh, like, so one thing was the dorm rooms were not open uh, in Oaxaca City. That was one of the things they were trying to do. Uh, if you wanted to sleep in the dorm, you had to book all the beds. And that they, they kind of called it like a family package. So if you had oh. a group of people. Um, I don't know if that's still the case now, but mask wearing and, all, and social distancing wasn't necessarily as uh, followed in the smaller cities, smaller towns. Mm-hmm. I feel like every establishment nowadays, though, has rules, not rules, um, kind of like a a list of how they're handling COVID, though. So they're like, oh, we put hand sanitizer out. We clean the bathrooms three times a day, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah, they had that. They had the protocols for sure to keep you safe. Mm -hmm. Great. Great. That's good. And you felt like you felt good about everything. I know some people are still either looking to go to Mexico during this time. I mean, things change weekly now, but yeah. Yeah. no, I felt, I felt definitely very safe. Um, and, uh, I thought everything was handled pretty well. And in Mexico, you wouldn't imagine this, but they have very easy and accessible, uh, COVID testing and it's very affordable and it's everywhere. And in Mexico city, it's in, in the airport. So very That's easy very to, to get into because I believe you still have to have a negative test to arrive in the U.S. Is that right? Yeah. And you still have to get a negative COVID test to return to the United States, depending on where you started. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I think from anywhere. No. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah so that rule is still in effect and could affect 
people when people are budgeting for trips, right? Because that costs money. So it does, depending where you're from. So I was uh, where you're, where you're coming home from. I was in Costa Rica, and it was 175 American dollars. So <laughs> yeah, pretty that's intense. like a fl- that's a flight. <laughs> yeah, it's because I, I got it tested at, at the beach instead of at the capital. So okay, um, yeah. Oh, you my, went to the cafe. Cap- still quite expensive. Yeah. An expensive tour, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. I actually have one. I mean, this may not be your wheelhouse, but maybe you've done this before. Have you ever gotten, this is from Natisha again. Have you ever gotten enough travel points with an airline to redeem it for flights? Um, and then what are your favorite ticket booking sites? Um, I've used, um, I have the Southwest credit card and I have got enough points to do domestic flights, but not international, but, Go, that's definitely something you should be doing. You should be using airline points to book your travel if possible and building points, put your money to work. And to book my flights, Google Flights. Check them. Just just check Google Flights. That's what I use. Um, and then, uh, you know, try not to mess with the algorithm too much where they start charging you more. But <laughs> yeah, Google Flights. Excellent. Great. Thank you. Um, does, if anyone has any more questions for Joel, feel free to drop them in the chat and I can ask him. Otherwise, I think we've covered most of the questions. This was incredibly helpful, Joel. It's, it's great to know that, you know, some of us are doing the right things as far as making connections, keeping those connections afterwards. But of course, we learned so much from your presentation on, on how to meet people, how to get over that confidence hump, how to, um, how to enjoy your travels with yeah. traveling solo, but never alone. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's a really, I, I liked that title a lot. So, oh, oh, one last question. Favorite food you've had on your trips. Yeah, I see that favorite food is, um, man. <laughs> I mean, I like to go to tropical beaches, Costa Rica, Mexico, Colombia, and like mango, papaya, and um, avocado all day straight from the tree. Uh, that's the best. That's the best by far. But I know Southeast Asia, I got a lot of things I'm going to have to try when I get there for sure. Change my yeah. mind. And then the algorithm question, that means if you search the same flight over and over and over again, they tend to catch on to that and they start to like charge you a little bit more. So, Okay, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that conversation, that very long conversation. Sorry about that. But it was great. Uh, and I, uh, I'm truly honored to have been a part of Nomadic Matt Network. I encourage you guys to check them out. Nomadic Matt, great blogger, one of the original travel bloggers to do this online and uh, one of the best at it and his network, bringing all of these like-minded travelers together. So thank you, Nomadic Matt and the Nomadic Matt Network and Leah and everybody over there. Um, Like I said, got a lot of interviews and conversations coming out. We're working on it. And, um, you know, I thank you all for listening this long and this far into the project. And um, I'm excited to keep it going and, you know, travel more, see more and and hear about your guys' stories as well. So until next time, have a good one. Stay safe.